Good morning. Wow. You decided to come to church today. Are you glad you did? Me too. Me too. All right. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and Acts 24 this morning. And we will continue our series on prayer. We are looking again at the Lord's Prayer this morning, and we have learned that the Lord's Prayer is is not necessarily a prayer to pray, but a model of how to have a conversation with God, how to have a conversation with God. We have looked at having the the right relationship with God as our father. We've looked at having the right perspective, his perspective in heaven, that heavenly perspective and today we're going to look at, at his priority in prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. We've said it time and time again, whether we're in school or at a sporting event or a civic event. And what we are saying when we say that pledge is that there is a national allegiance that we have. What we're saying is that we are committed to a nation. We are committed to a kingdom, if you will, the United States of America. Most of us here this morning were probably born citizens of the United States. And some of us this morning are working towards citizenship in the United States. And if you have recently received citizenship, congratulations. Uh, If you are in the journey of becoming a citizen, we are praying for you. And we're glad that you're here this morning. Most of us are citizens because we were born citizens here. But when you are born again, the Bible is very clear that you are now a citizen of another kingdom. So it should not surprise us when the next line in the Lord's Prayer is about thy kingdom come. Let's look at it. Matthew 6, verse number 9. This then is how you should pray Jesus said, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A young boy was learning the Lord's prayer and he was overheard by his mother as he was praying up in his bedroom and he was praying, our father in heaven, how did you know my name? Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're all learning how to pray, aren't we? I love that. How did you know my name? Hallowed be your name. Okay. In our conversation, we begin with focusing on who God is, not on who we are. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We focus on who God is and we begin to focus on what's important to him before what's important to us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this kingdom thing we've been talking about quite a bit over the last year. And by the way, let me just pause for a moment and say this. Uh, I had this message all worked out and ready to go about noon yesterday. And I had the rest of the day off to enjoy. But something inside of me said it's not finished yet. 
But I didn't know what the missing piece was in this. And how many of you know, when you come to church, you don't want to hear a sermon. You want a message from God. And the last thing I want to do is give sermons. God didn't call me to give sermons. He called me to speak his words. And so I wrestled with this yesterday and, and I knew we were on this topic, but something was missing. And, and I read Acts 24 last night, right before I went to bed. And I thought, you know, this might be the missing piece. How many of you ever had one of those nights where um, you did more thinking than you did sleeping? And I had one of those nights last night where I was up several times and and I kept going back to Acts 24, back to Acts 24, thinking, God, that's not Matthew chapter six. That's Acts 24. But God kept bringing that back. And so this morning I said, "Okay, Lord, let's just go for it. So I, I tried to rewrite it and get it all ready. And 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 let me just say this this morning. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Okay. So let's just discover what God is saying to us this morning together. <laughs> the kingdom of God, and then we're going to get to Acts 24. The kingdom of God is God's rule and God's authority. And when we are praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are not praying that God's rule would come to the earth or that God would rule over creation. How many of you know he already rules over creation? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We're not praying thy kingdom come. We're not praying for his, his, the millennial reign of Christ to come. We're not praying for the eternal kingdom to come. How many of you know they're going to come whether we ask for it or not? So what we're praying when we pray your kingdom come, we're saying, God, set up, establish your rule and your authority in my heart, in my life today. What we're praying is, God, you have authority over every part of my life. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. And I'll agree with you, your kingdom come. That's what we're praying. Most people, they want the benefits of the kingdom without the rulership of the king. I'm not interested in the king. I just want the benefits of living in the kingdom. It's like my kids. They don't really want me. They want my, they want, they don't want me or my priorities sometimes. Come on. Right? What do they want? (laughs) Somebody said it. They want money. (laughs) They want money and they also want to know what's for dinner. That's just the way kids think and. The other day, the, the, the refrigerator was getting pretty empty, and, and uh, Sam got home before Mom got home, and the text was out there in the group text. Where's the food? <laughs> you know, it's 3.30, and he's thinking about dinner. <laughs> Where's the food? And this happened in John chapter 6. Everybody was hungry. Everybody wanted something to eat. Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves and about 5,000 people ate and were satisfied that day. Wow. At the end of the story, verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, he withdrew again to a mountain all by himself. Now, that's interesting. Jesus came to be king. They want to make him king, right? And instead of going, yes, it's about time. You got the aha moment that I'm the king. Instead of allowing that moment to happen, he runs away and hides in a mountain. What's going on here? Why would he disappear? Why would he finally disappear after they're finally ready to make him king? It's because he understood what they wanted. They wanted Burger King. 
They didn't want a king who would rule. They wanted a king who would serve happy, happy, happy meals. They wanted a king that would keep feeding them and clothing them and blessing them. And as long as you make me happy, 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 you the king. Right? How many of you know he's the king either way? Happy meals or no happy meals. Many believe God created us to bless us. Now, how many of you know he did? He does want to bless us, but he created us to first bless him. The Bible is very clear. Colossians 1.16, we were created by him and for him. Romans 11.36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we are asking God to set up his present reign and his rule in our everyday lives. And to be part of his kingdom, right, to be part of his kingdom, you have to follow his rules. If you're going to be uh, part of the United States of America, we have a constitution. And the original thought was, let's follow that constitution. <laughs> These are the rules that govern this land. If you want to be an American citizen, you say, I will abide by this constitution. You can't say, you know what, I want to be a citizen, but you know what, I'll write my own constitution. I make my own rules. I'll do what I want to do, but I still want the benefits of living in this kingdom. Right? I still love the freedom. Right? Parents, we all have teenagers, had teenagers, or will have teenagers. And they like to set up their own rival kingdom in our homes. You say be in by 10, they come in at 11. That's a rival kingdom, right? Two authorities in the same house with different rules. And somebody's got to move. And it ought to be the person who's not paying the bills. So you're happy, happy, happy right now that you came to church. We'll see if you're still happy at the end of the message. In our house, we've got rules. Some rules are fun. Like, you don't have to take off your shoes in our house. How many of you like that rule? I like that rule. You don't have to take off your shoes in our house. We got hardwood floors on the main floor. We got a big dog. You can come in. You may not want to because of the dog. But if you do come in and if you survive, you don't have to take off your shoes. It's a good rule. But we have other rules, right? Like, if you want to come in, leave the alcohol outside. No alcohol in our house. Now, that's, you might say, well, that's a gray issue. Not in my kingdom. Not in my house. I mean, you can drink in your house. That's fine. Don't get drunk, right? That's what the Bible says. But in our house, we choose to just stay as far away from it as possible. Okay? That's what we do in our house. And you don't have to agree with that. You can say, you know what? I don't like your rules. And I'll say, that's fine. But if you want to come in, you have to adjust to my rules. Well, what if I don't want to adjust to your rules? Well, it's going to be really difficult for you to have a relationship and a conversation with me when you're standing at the edge of the driveway. <laughs> right? Is it unrealistic, right, for the owner of the property to set the rules? And in the kingdom of God, God sets the rules. And you know what? If you're reading the Ten Commandments, we just read it this past week. I think it's Exodus 20 or chapter 20. 
Before it gets to the first commandment, it says, I am the Lord God who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. See, the reason he can set the rules is because he set us free. He came into our Egypt, into our place of slavery, and he pulled us out of that place of slavery. And he says, I'm the Lord God who set you free and delivered you. And if you want to stay free, here's some boundaries. And those boundaries aren't meant to make you miserable. Those boundaries are meant to keep you free and keep you happy and keep you healthy in this kingdom. There's nothing wrong with boundaries and there's nothing wrong with rules. How many of you know they keep good things in and bad things out? Right? So in the kingdom, there's rules. There's rules. Our father happens to be a king with a kingdom. And this king has some rules. And I'm thankful that he's a king and not a president. And this is not a democracy that we live in called the kingdom of God. We can't vote God in. We can't vote God out. He's the king. He was born. Kings are born king. They are born kings. Jesus, he was born king. They didn't make him king. He was already king. They just simply acknowledged the king has come. And in the kingdom, the king's word, the king's word becomes the will of the people. The king's word becomes the new constitution. When Jesus arrived on the scene as king, he said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. In other words, the king has arrived. You've heard it said this way, but the king, the new king is saying, this is this is the way it really happens. The king's will or the king's word becomes the will of the people. People claim to be citizens of God's kingdom and yet think they can adjust his constitutional statements to fit their preferences. I like my sexuality like this. I like to spend my money like this. I like to raise my kids like this. Who cares what God's word says? Who cares what his constitution says? I like to watch this. I like to eat like this, right? So we think we can adjust his word to fit our preferences. We forget we're not dealing with a president here. We're dealing with a king. And if we are going to enjoy the benefits of the king, we have to submit to his kingship. And we have to say, you know what? The word of God prevails. Heaven and earth will pass away. But by word, the Bible says, God says, my word will never pass away. In the kingdom, there's no such thing as independence. There's no independence day in God's kingdom. There's freedom. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. We are free from Satan, but we are bound to the king. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The United States was founded on a rebellion against the kingdom. If we want to admit it or not, the moment we declared independence from England, we had to bring our own water. We had to build our own roads. We had to build our own military. We had to plan our own food. When we declare independence from a kingdom, we're on our own. We have to figure all that out on our own. Adam declared independence from the kingdom of God in Genesis chapter 3. And when you declare independence from the kingdom, you lose the privileges of the kingdom. You're on your own. You can declare independence 
from God. You can do that. But you're on your own. You'll have nobody to represent you on the day of judgment. You'll have no advocate to stand. You'll have no great high priest named Jesus who is who is standing on your behalf and saying, this one's mine. Let him into the kingdom. You can have your independence, but you can't have your cake and eat it, too. So when you're part of the kingdom of God, there is this radical dependence on him, this radical followership, this radical. I will follow you no matter what. The good news is when you're in the kingdom, the king is responsible for your life. He becomes responsible for your life. And that's why Jesus could say, why do you worry about what you will eat and what you would drink and what you will wear? Your father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. He cares about those things. All these things will be added to you as well. So when the kingdom of God becomes your priority, you become God's priority. Now, turn with me to Acts 24. I told you we would go there. Let me give you a little background to what's happening here. We're going to look at just several verses. Paul was in Jerusalem. In fact, there's like three or four chapters in here where it's all happening. It's all around the same topic. So Paul is giving a defense. He's giving a defense and he's in Jerusalem and some Jews had brought some false accusations against Paul. Paul gives his defense. He shares his testimony and at the end of his testimony, he said these words and these words just set set the Jewish people off. They were they were ready to take his life. He said these words. He said, then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now, what he was saying was. God was saying was to Paul was salvation is not just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles, everyone who's not a Jew and the Jewish people. They they could not swallow this pill. In fact, they were so upset. They were so upset with him that over 40 men, they made a vow and they said, we're not going to eat or drink anything until this man is dead. We're not going to eat or drink anything until Paul is dead. Now, that's some prayer and fasting right there, isn't it? I wonder if I wonder I wonder how long they made it. The commander in charge of Paul, who is responsible for him, heard of this plot to kill Paul. And so during the night under military escort, I love it. He had Paul taken to the governor named Felix. And Paul made his defense to Felix. And this is where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 24, verse number 22. The Bible reads, then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, by the way, people who follow Jesus, uh, Christians, they were called followers of the way. That's what they were called before they were called Christians, followers of the way. That's what they were. And Felix was well acquainted with the way. So he knew all about Jesus. He knew all about this, this new thing that had started. And he adjourned the proceedings. And when Lysias, the commander comes, he said, I will decide your case. 
He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Pause for a moment. So jail back in those days, prison back in those days, they didn't feed you. You didn't have cable. You didn't have weights. You didn't have all that. But what you did have is your family could come and bring you food. And if they didn't, you didn't eat. So this is what it looked like back in that day. They, they locked you up, but they didn't take care of you. Verse 24. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and he listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At that time, or at the, at the same time, rather, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. You've got a man sitting in front of the Apostle Paul who has been described by Clarence Edward McCartney as one having the power of a king, yet the mind of a slave. A slave to his passions, yet given such power. He had already come through three disastrous marriages and now Drusilla, who was formerly the mistress of Agrippa. Felix, listen, through a sorcerer's incantations, had lured her away from Agrippa into this relationship. She is still a teenage girl. So this man, Felix, he's quite a character, isn't he? He's conniving, scheming, a manipulative individual. This is Felix who is hearing about this gospel of the kingdom from Paul's lips. And McCartney put it in these words. What a contrast. On the throne sat Felix, the faded and withered pagan. A former slave, he became the favorite of Claudius and, became, and because of that favor was exalted to high rank, governor of Judea. Greed, cruelty, and lust was stamped upon his countenance. His administration as governor of Judea had been marked by injustice, extortion, and violence. And by his side sat the lovely Jewish Drusilla, the daughter of Herod Agrippa. She had first married a Gentile who, to please her, had become a Jew. And then Felix, with the aid of a sorcerer's incantations, had won her from her husband and was living with her in sin and shame. All that was dishonorable in mankind was represented by that combination of Felix and Drusilla as they sat on the throne awaiting the address by St. Paul. So now you have the picture of who this Felix and this Drusilla are. And it's with this understanding of Felix that Paul begins to talk to Felix about righteousness, self-control. Of which Felix had neither. And the judgment to come. Would this kind of talk make you uncomfortable if you were Felix? Hmm? Would this kind of talk of righteousness and self-control and judgment to come. Would it make you feel uncomfortable if you were you? Felix becomes afraid and he said, okay, I've heard enough. Get out of here, Paul. When I find it convenient... I will send for you when I find it convenient. 
I will send for you. Can I talk to you for a few moments today about the inconvenient gospel of the kingdom? See, the gospel of the kingdom has never been a convenient gospel. We get excited praying, your kingdom come. Because what we think is, man, God's going to, he's going to smack them. He's going to take care of the enemy. He's going to come down in power. He's going to heal the sick. He's going to raise the dead. And that's part of praying the kingdom of God come. The reign and the authority of God, the rule and the authority of God. That's part of praying that. But the other part of it is praying, God, I want your reign. I want your rule established in every part of my life. And not just when it's convenient. The gospel of the kingdom has never been a convenient gospel. Certainly not for Felix. Confronted with the truth about his sin and the judgment to come, he pushes the conviction for another time, a more convenient time. Conviction, how many of you know, is never convenient. It never comes at the right time. The gospel of the kingdom, it first convicts us. Then it confronts us and then it condemns us before a holy God. And then the gospel of the kingdom can save us. We know that the good news of the kingdom makes no sense until you hear the bad news first. And the bad news, the bad news of the kingdom is simply this. If you want to seek first his kingdom And his righteousness, you have to give up seeking your kingdom and your righteousness. And for Felix, it never became convenient for him to make that change from seeking God's kingdom rather than his own kingdom. But here's what's interesting. The gospel of the kingdom was never convenient for the Apostle Paul either. Verse 27, when two years had passed, watch this, when two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius, I don't know how to say his name, Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. What's going on here is, Caught in the battle between the Jews and the Gentiles, Felix wanted to please the Jews. The Jews were in uproar over this whole idea of the salvation coming to the Gentiles. And, and, and Felix was siding with the Jews and he wanted to do a favor to the Jews. And so he decided, I'm going to go to Paul. I'm going to bribe him. I'm going to get him to say something. I was wrong. I'm going to offer him money. I'm going to bribe this guy, Right? To get favor with the Jews. And for two years he tried to bribe the Apostle Paul. And for two years the the Apostle Paul sat in that prison. And said no I will not accept the bride. Can I tell you the gospel of the kingdom is not convenient for believers either. It's not convenient for us as well. And here we have Paul in prison for two years. He has this get out of jail card. He has this get out of jail card. Right? Accept the card. Accept the bribe. And get on with testifying in Rome. Which God in fact had spoken to Paul. You'll do. 
He said, Paul, don't worry. You're not going to land here. You're going to go to Rome. He could have put in that get out of jail card right then. He could have been on his journey to Rome, which God said that was going to happen in his life. You see, let me let me just put this in context here for you this morning. God may have spoken something to you about your future. You are you you know you're going to go here. You know you're going to do this. God has spoken this over your life. But right now, there's a conspiracy to kill you. There's a conspiracy from the enemy to kill, to steal, and destroy God's people. And he has put you in this, this jail cell. And he's offered you a get-out-of-jail card. He's saying, listen, you can get out of this difficult situation. All you have to do is declare your independence from God. All you have to do is say, you know what? I was a little wrong. I I took this thing a little too far. You're in a difficult place. You're in a difficult situation. And right now you want to say, you know what, God? You let me down. You said I was going to Rome to testify and I'm not in Rome. So God, you know what? I'm going to help myself get there. And you may be in that place, friend, where God has spoken something dear and tender and real and true to your heart. And you know it's God. You're Joseph and the dreams are real. And you're in this prison, you're in this difficult place and you have the opportunity. You have the, it's just a little lie. It's just a little slip of integrity. And Paul says, no, I will not. I will maintain my integrity. I will maintain my testimony and I will maintain this message of the kingdom. And for two years, he continued to tell him about About what? Righteousness, self-control, and the future judgment. The gospel of the kingdom is never a convenient gospel. And when we pray, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. Let me tell you, that is the most difficult part of this thing we call the Lord's Prayer. It's the most difficult prayer to pray. It's not this half-hearted kind of thing. No, it's this deep thing. It is this deep, agonizing thing. I'm reminded of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's in the garden. And the Bible says. That this great sorrow came over him. This great sorrow. And three different times. Not once, but three times he prayed this prayer. He said, Father, if it is possible, would you remove this cup from me? In other words, if it is possible, can we avoid the cross? Can we skip that part and get to the resurrection? If it is possible, could, could this cup be removed from me? Yet not, my, not, not what I will, but your will be done. He prayed that three times in the garden that night. Three times. Can I tell you, praying this part of the Lord's Prayer is, uh, can be painful. 
because you know the will of God. You know the kingdom. You know what God is asking of you. You know what God is requiring of you. And you're in that place in your time with Jesus in a prayer meeting or in your prayer closet. And you realize what you're facing is difficult. You realize, though, it's, it's part of God's plan. And you come to that wrestling place with God. And the, and the Bible said that in the garden, Jesus sweat drops like blood. There was great anguish of soul. There was great letting go. There was great surrender that was happening there. See, the battle wasn't won on the cross. The battle was won in Gethsemane. It was it was it was won in the in the Olive Garden on the in, in on the, the Mount of Olives. It was won there. It was the place where the olive was put into the press and the oil was squeezed out of that olive. And the flesh was thrown away and the oil was, which was the most valuable part of the olive, was then used for its purposes. And sometimes God brings us to the garden of Gethsemane. He brings us to that place where the, the God wants to, he wants to squeeze the oil out of the flesh. He wants to squeeze the Holy Spirit, the oil, right? And that's the part of this prayer. That we don't flippantly pray. It's the part that we pray. Sometimes even with anguish as Jesus did. Jesus said these words. He says, not all those who are invited come into the kingdom. Luke 14, 15. Let me read that again. Jesus said these words. Not all who are invited come into the kingdom. Not all who are invited come into the kingdom. Why is this? Because because it's never convenient to come into the kingdom. It's never convenient to face conviction. It's never convenient to repent. It's never convenient to surrender your kingdom, your rule, your reign over your life. It's never convenient to lose control. I hate that. (laughs) I like control. I like to make plans and then make those plans work. It's never convenient to forgive the person who hurts you. It's never convenient to tithe. How many tithers say amen to that? It's never convenient to completely trust God with your money and say, God, you own it all, but here's 10%. It's never convenient. It's never convenient to give God extravagant time seeking him. It's never convenient It's never convenient to serve and to give your life away. It's never convenient to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. Never convenient like Paul to be locked up for two years when you know God has spoken to you about your future. Jesus said, not all who are invited come into the kingdom. Why? Because it's never convenient to do so. Like Felix, we have the right to our independence. God will not take that from us. He will ask of it, but he will not take it. You have the right to your independence, to your own kingdom. But make no mistake about it. There is a greater price to pay. Your independence now means that you'll also be independent on judgment day when you stand before the high court of heaven. Like I said earlier, nobody to represent you. No advocate to plead on your behalf. No blood to cover your sin. But your own sinful blood 
which will not give you entrance into the eternal heaven. No King Jesus to come to your defense. No king to say, this one is mine. The kingdom belongs to him. So here's, here's where we come to a close. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Independence is a wonderful thing. It feels great to be free. It feels great to just do what you want to do. You can have your independence... But what happens is this, is you, you lose your freedom. You ultimately lose your freedom. And one day you will be bound. And one day you will spend an everlasting and eternal damnation in hell. That's what the scripture teaches. The Bible says that it's God's will that none should perish. God doesn't want anybody to perish like that. But that everyone should come to repentance. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. If you are willing now, the king will willingly save you now. If you are unwilling now, he will be unable to save you later. Choose today to repent of your radical independence. Admit you're not the king. Admit you're not the king and confess that Jesus, you are king. Let him smash every sin and throw it away. That's what kings do. Let him defeat the power of Satan in your life. That's what kings do. Let him forgive you. That's what King Jesus, that's what he does. So this morning, we are either Felix or we are Paul. You're Felix here this morning and you, you know that you have been putting this, this off. You're guilty as sin and you've been waiting for a convenient time, right? A convenient time to turn from your sin and trust Jesus. You've been waiting. And you're like, Felix, you know what? I've heard this before. I, I just don't want to hear it again. Let's just hear it again at another time that's convenient for me. And that's you. Maybe you're a Felix this morning and, and that identifies you. But you don't want to be a Felix anymore. You don't want to be a Felix anymore. The, the message of righteousness and the message of self-control and the message of, of judgment to come has pierced your heart. And you are convicted by your sin. And you know this morning that you are a Felix, but you want to be a Paul. You want to be a son or a daughter of God today. This is the day of salvation. This is the day where you, where you abandon your independence from God and you declare your dependence and your allegiance on Him. And you say, not my will, but your will be done. Some of you today are Felix. Some of you are Paul today. The enemy has offered you a get-out-of-jail card. You have the opportunity... You have the opportunity the enemy's given you to declare your independence of God and get out of jail, get out of that difficult place. And you realize it's God's will for you to be in that place and you just have to suck it up. I, I don't know how else to say it. Right? Come on, guys. Sometimes we just have to say, you know what? Just suck it up. It's hard, but it's right. 
You're in the right place. God will get you where you need to be. But right now you're in this place and you're in the garden and you're feeling the press and you're going to say, you know what? I know, God, you can remove this cup from me, but not my will. Your will be done. Some of you are Paul this morning and you're ready to pray that prayer. So here's what I want to do. If you're if you're Felix this morning and you want to be saved this morning, I'm going to ask you. I want you everybody bow your heads with me. Bow your heads. Raise your hand if that's you this morning. I'm Felix. I've been pushing this gospel of the kingdom off until a convenient time for me. But today is the day of salvation. Today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repent of my radical independence. I'm going to depend on Jesus to save me. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. I want to pray with you today. Anybody this morning, nice and high, raise your hand if you're here. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody, anybody else? It's God's will that none should perish in the back. If you're raising your hand, if you're raising your hand, just make eye contact with me. Got it. Got it. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Over here. Thank you so much. You put your hand down. Who else this morning? Who else this morning? You're ready to be saved today. Thank you. Now, how many of you would say, I'm going to pray with you in a moment. Those of you who are Felix, you you sense that. Those of you who are Paul today, you're in that difficult place. And you're ready to say, not my will, but your will. You know that's the prayer that you need to pray today. Raise your hand if that's you today. If you can identify with Paul in this place. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Put your hands down. Thank you so much. These are very, very important moments right now. prayers for Felix and for Paul are prayers of surrender. We continue to surrender our our independence. We continue to exchange our will for his will, our kingdom for his kingdom. of you who identify with Felix this morning and you know you're guilty. You're guilty as sin. You're guilty, guilty, guilty. You have a history. You have a past. You recognize you're a sinner today. You've been putting this off. It's never been convenient and you didn't want to hear it, but today you're ready to exchange kingdoms. The Bible says that we are to repent and believe. I want you to just pray this simple prayer with me. Pray it from your heart. Say, God in heaven, I'm a sinner. I've been putting you off for a long time. 
but not anymore. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for my sin. I know you don't want it. I don't want it in my life. God, I know you're the only one that can take it away. So take it away. Take it from me, God. And set up your rule. Set up your reign in my heart. Take control of my life. I give it all to you. Have it all, God. It's not my life anymore. Now it's your life, God. Do with my life what you want to do. Live through me. Today I receive forgiveness by faith in the blood of Jesus. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me clean. Make me that new person, that son or daughter of God. Thank you. Thank you for now becoming my father. thank God that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning. God, thank you. God, thank you. We love you. Praise you, God. Those of you who are Paul, you're on the side of that mountain. You're in anguish. You're in sorrow. You realize there's a surrender. There's a struggle going on. right where you're at, right where you're seated. Pray that prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Three times Jesus prayed. And it finally, finally in his spirit became real to him. Finally, he was done. Finally, it was over. Finally, he was ready to face whatever he needed to face because there was a full surrender in his heart. He was ready to face the cross. He was ready to do what God had called him to do for what he was born for. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Could you stand with me this morning? Stand to your feet. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, may your kingdom come to every part of my life. If there's any part of your life that you're still holding on to, you're still trying to control and fix and manage. God is saying, would you surrender that thing to me? For some of you, it's in the area of your, of your money. It's a difficult area to trust God. God says, you can not only trust me, he says, you can test me in this. Test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates. of Test me in this. See if I will not provide for you. Some of you are in that place. For you, your assignment is to start tithing and watch God 
do what only God can do in your finances. What you can't fix, God can fix. When you make the kingdom of God your priority, God will make you his priority. He will take care of you. Amen? Amen. Can we thank God for all the people who got saved this morning? Can we thank God for that? And this song we're about to sing is our prayer of surrender. I want you to sing it with me. Everybody, sing it with me. And this is how we're going to close our meeting today. Let's sing it together. Amen. Amen. The beautiful thing about surrender is that's where the victory is. It's not, that's where the defeat is. That's where the victory is. When we have surrendered, we've won. Because he wins. He wins. Our prayer teams are going to be available following the service today. If you would like prayer, they would love to pray with you. If you raise your hand said, I'm like Felix, but I'm not like Felix anymore. I'm born again today. I'm a son or a daughter of God. I'd love to... Just just shake your hand and, and look at you eyeball to eyeball and greet you today. If you take just a few moments after the end of the service, meet me down here right up front. And I want to greet you. We've got a gift for you this morning. God bless you. Hope to see you this Wednesday night at our prayer meeting or one of our other prayer meetings throughout the week. God bless you.